They may not know everything about sports, but the view from their couch is pretty good. So kick back and enjoy a brew, because you know they already are. Here is Eric Dorsch. They're crazy enough to let me be in charge. Russ Ivanek. Eight out of ten from the judges. Five out of ten from the German judge. And Justin Marcus. Our okay. best defense has been long, hard, and yellow all year long. This is Armchair Sports Talk. All right, all right, all right. Welcome into an abbreviated segment of Armchair Sports Talk. We don't have a lot of time today, but we couldn't miss doing a show for you guys. So we're going to try to get through everything. Uh, I think we're fast enough. Uh, I'd question if we're smart enough, but we're for sure at least fast enough to get through all this stuff. Uh, he's on the road, so ignore his uh, phone. He doesn't sound that good anyway usually, but he's going to sound a little bit better this time. Jay Marcus, how you doing, buddy? You know what? I'm almost home. Okay, if I can get through this construction, I will sound damn good like I do all the time. Don't give me that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, he always sounds good. He's got a silky, smooth voice, intelligent sound. Uh, the America's most average engineer, Russ Ivanak. Oh, that is that is a hell of an introduction, and, and I will hope that I can live up to it. We we might be quick today, but we will at least be satisfying. I'm always quick and satisfying. Ooh. Always there quick we go. and satisfying. Uh, just ask my wife. All right. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I hope she lies for you. Oh, I. You know you what? Shoot your own, You just shot yourself in the foot. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Getting right into it. Unfortunately, Teal was not real enough. We got Boston. We got St. Louis. It's a tie-tie series. Uh, St. Louis wins last night in OT. And I'd be remiss to say that I did not see a second of it. I had to work late last <sighs> night. Didn't get the chance. Read the text this morning. Saw the you know saw the fire uh, in Jay's text that he's probably not happy about it. Russ, recap last night for me in the best you can. Um. Well, I'll, I'll try. I'll get this out of the way because say, it's a nauseating viewpoint that every media has, has gone through so far. But hey, I'll be that hack too. Yep. Um, last time these teams met in the finals, the famous Bobby Orr goal. Mm-hmm. Last time these teams met in the finals, when there was an OT game winner, uh, the Bobby Orr flying goal. Yeah. Right. Get another one last night. Also a number four. Hey, I'm taking this as the beginning of the Orvenge tour. That's what happened last night. Okay. Killed him in shots, dominated shots 7 nothing in OT, St. Louis did. And both teams have more hits than shots total so far through two games, which is unreal. Like, no, no team in the regular season had more hits than shots throughout the course of the 82 games. Yeah. Both of these teams are hitting a ton. You might not make it out alive for some of these people. Rob Thomas got knocked out of game one. Gerslick got knocked out of game two. Yep. This might be a war of attrition to get through it all. It's it's fun. It is the epitome of playoff, hard-nosed hockey. And and if you're missing it, well, you're really missing out. Oh, yeah. I, I saw your text earlier. The penalty box might be the safest place to be in this series. And that's good hockey to me, though. I want to see, like, you've come this far. You're going to do everything and anything to win the win the cup. Uh, St. Louis, uh, I correct me if I'm wrong, St. Louis has never won a Stanley Cup. They had never or, won a game in the finals ah, until last night. Ah, okay. Gambit Russ, you took, you took my stat. Ah, well, Jay, ah. Yeah, Jay, Jay, you're not needed in the segment, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but, Jay, on the other side, you, you've made, you know, you haven't been quiet about the fact that you're rooting for Boston, Boston all the way, you love the little rat, you want to see him win a cup. Uh, last night, what was it that, in the fi- in the overtime that didn't work for Boston. I, I know Russ said they, they killed them with shots, but uh, what were you seeing from Boston? I just – I saw good stuff, but the Blues came out rolling. Uh, the way they started that overtime period, they were ready to go. And I, the most deem- or damning thing for me was that when I was watching that goal, Boston had four guys in the middle of the ice set up in the I formation as if they were about to run the ball up the middle or some shit. And when you do that and you're not spreading out your guys, especially on a delayed penalty call, um, the Blues are going to have an extra guy on the ice, and you're lined up like domino style right down the middle of it. They're going to get shots on, and Rask was getting screened, and they got a goal. But the, the Blues were prepared to play overtime, where I don't think you know Boston was ready just to do this in three periods. They were not set up for overtime at all last night. What's wrong with the I formation? Michigan won a lot of football <laughs> games with the I formation, Jay. 
it I'm you know it, doesn't it's work not for hockey. Yet. We're not yeah. we're not talking yeah. about football yet. I was pissed <laughs> and I saw them all get caught like that. It was stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Hey, hey, speaking of being prepared to play in overtime, did you guys hear what happened with Gunnarsson at the urinal before overtime? I, I did. <laughs> I did not, no. <laughs> so Frank Cervelli of TSN's calling it the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> Can't oh make God. it up. He is in full gear at the urinal. You know, after the third, waiting for the OT to start, his coach comes up to him, and he just turns and goes, I just need one more shot. I just need one more shot. He put one off the post near the end of regulation in the third. That's all he's thinking of. So he, as he's handling himself, he figured out how to handle himself. And wow, did he come <laughs> up big. Okay. So, well, yeah, they were, uh, they were prepared. I like it. I like it. The Boston Pea Party. Yeah, that works for me. Um, Jay, I'll let you go first here. Uh it's it might be too early to ask this question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Game three, it's a one-one series. Uh, is is this game three the most important game of the series? Whoever takes this takes the momentum, carries it on, and wins it. Yeah, you know that's that's the beauty and the complexity of the NHL playoffs is that game three is always the um, not home advantage team's first home game, and if you split the first two games. Uh, game three is very monumental, and St. Louis gets to do it in their barn. Um, they get to write off the energy of an OT, you know, game-winning goal. Boston has to travel well and go play well. Um, and you know, some writer somewhere probably has already coined it as the black and blue series, um, but it, it very much is. So we need to see if, if Boston's shooting can travel well, um, and it's going to be a swing game. I mean, I, just like you know, we're going to get into the NBA, but between Raptors, Golden State, Game One is very, very important for the Raptors. They need that win. This game is very, very important for Boston because if they let St. Louis take this moment, uh, momentum, they might win both their home games, and they're coming back to Boston down in the series. Yeah, that's very true, Russ. I mean, it's the same question. Any different interpretation? No, not really. Justin kind of hit it right on the head there. Uh, St. Louis has home ice advantage now. If they can keep it through Game 3, that puts all of the pressure on Boston to, to try and claw back, and that's exactly the driver's seat you want to be in. Oh, I, I, I absolutely think that this is a very, very key game. I mean, I can't say anything different than what you guys said. Uh, the fact that they get to go home with a little bit of a home ice, you take take the next two, you're going back to Boston really kind of comfortable. I mean, you can you can kind of afford to, to split the series and you win the Cup. It's kind of nice. Uh, so we'll see what happens with it, but Russ, when we were putting together the topics for this show, you sent a uh, one as a potential last topic, uh, and it's one I actually want to uh, touch on. In your opinion, because we, we were this time last year we were talking about just as nice of a Cinderella story. To you, which is more the Cinderella story here? A Vegas team that was put together. You know, I called them last year the island or the team of misfit players. No one really wanted them. They were shipped off to be on one team together, and it worked out well for them. But then you've got. Uh, St. Louis, who was, you know, almost last at one point in this season, and they clawed back, and now they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. So it, uh, it's such a good question. Yeah. That's stuff. why I asked Not, it, because yeah. it makes me sound so smart. Yeah, yeah and I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we've, we've seen a couple firsts already, these playoffs, so it, it makes sense that this is the growing story. Yeah. Um, I am still going to have to go with Vegas as the better story because they didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Whereas coming into the year, uh, if you were paying attention, you'd see, Hey, St. Louis has really got something going just if that Jake Allen guy could get his shit together. They'd they'd really have something. So it was, it, no, it's a tremendous story that you come from dead last in January to not only make the playoffs to go, but to go on to the Stanley cup finals and get the first win in a, in a final series in your, in the history of your franchise. Right, we're we're already talking about Cinderella here, but it was on the back of an immense disappointment, and then that kind of hurts it. Whereas Vegas was, God, we don't even know who, yeah. who these guys are. Right, like to their credit, they they built up something great, and yes, the rules were a bit rigged in Vegas's favor to have the most favorable expansion draft that we've ever had, mm-hmm. uh, but they still didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's I still got to give it to Vegas. But only just slightly. And if the Blues win the Cup, maybe my maybe my opinion changes there. Yeah, no, I mean definitely. I mean Vegas is kind of like that. You create a team in NHL and go on to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, no one really expects it. It would it would have been an awesome thing to see happen. Uh, Jay, for you, I mean, I 
I, I, I got to think you're leaning towards Vegas just because St. Louis winning the cup stands in the way of what you want. I mean, if I had to pick one, I will go Vegas. But the thing that I enjoy the, the most is that we have these storylines yeah. where we don't have the predictable playoffs. We don't have the, you know, the top teams that you have, if you have one of the top three players, and yes, I am picking on basketball, you know, that's <laughs> the story that you know. We get stories. We get, it's, like a, it's like Game of Thrones. You get storylines that pop up out of nowhere that go from the bottom to the top, and it, it, it's just a good for the brand of the NHL. But Vegas, Vegas was awesome. It was that was a new shiny toy that most people in our generation of fandom didn't. We don't, you know, we, there was expansion teams, but this is new, and new is always good to me. So I'll go with Vegas on it. But the Blues, I give them credit. They were the worst team in the league, and now they're in the Stanley Cup Finals, and it's 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 awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I'm actually going to piggyback off what you just said. New is always uh, good. New is always better. I'm going to go with the newer of the two stories. I'm going to go with St. Louis. I, I don't think there was anyone more hyped for Vegas last year than me. I you know Every show, I had something positive to say about them. I really wanted to see them do it. But for a team to be at the very bottom of the league at one point and all of a sudden start working their way back, chipping away at it, getting into it, and now to be in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, there's the Game 7 OT goal by Maroon. It's just there's enough elements there that you're like, you know what? This is a great story. Go all the way, finish it off, put the cherry on top, do the one thing that Vegas couldn't do. Vegas got so close, couldn't do it. Let's see you guys go ahead and do it. So I, I'm going to go with St. Louis. They're, like you, you guys have both said, they're both amazing stories. They're both phenomenal. You know, I, I think a lot of movie writers would have a hard time even believing them, but they're real. They exist. It's awesome. So we'll see what happens with it. Uh, Got a game coming up in a couple days. Hopefully, uh, St. Louis can pull it off. Uh, let's. <laughs> I, I'm always going to leave that last little bit in there for yeah. Jay, just because it bothers him. Hashtag unbiased. Hashtag hashtag have no opinion on this that favors one team or the other. Uh, Boston in five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on. We 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 spent the last couple weeks talking about the two GMs of the Red Wings and Edmonton. Who's going to do more? Who's going to do what? Who's going to do it faster? Uh, both guys made a move, one, you know, on the ice, one guy has control of the ice. So Russ, I, I guess I'll, I'll let you go first here. You, you kinda, you're our stat guy, so you can maybe give me a little bit on this. Tell me a little bit about, I, I'm assuming it's Oliver, Ollie Werkowski. All, yeah, Oliver. Just Ollie like Werkowski. Oliver, but yeah. he throws a W in there because damn it, he likes to win. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Ollie Werkowski. Tell me a little bit about Ollie Werkowski. Yeah. yeah. So... He's a guy who's got a little bit of familiarity with playing in North America, right? Former Western Bronco. Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't there at the same time as Blashill or any of the Broncos currently on the Wings roster. But it, it gives you hope that the 23-year-old will be able to come over and, and transition a little bit better. Uh, mm -hmm. The other thing that gives you hope is the tremendous quote that uh, Max Boltman from The Athletic threw out there that he talked to Caskey's former Western coach, asked him, you know, hey, how'd it go when you met him? He goes, well, first thing I asked him is, what's your defensive style like? And he goes, no, no, coach, I'm offensive. Right? Okay. And that's that's exactly the kind of player that he is. Think like a, a slightly bigger, less of a ceiling as far as skill goes, but Mike Green, right? That style of player where on, on the bigger side, they're not going to use his body a lot, not a plus defender, but... If you're on the power play, if you're in the offensive zone, he's ready to shoot, and he's going to shoot. Right? Mm -hmm. This is a guy that he led the he led league in shots last year. He was sixth overall in points, right? Highest defenseman, won the league MVP. Um, they do something where the goal score, the top goal scorer in the league, wears a gold helmet during play. Oh, okay. And you watch his highlights, you'll see him with the gold helmet regularly, and yeah. you will mistake that's what that's him for. Yeah, that's what that's for. The top point oh. scorer in the league wears the gold, gold helmet. That's cool. Pretty nice. Yeah. And you will mistake him for a winger regularly. He loves to work his way down the short board. He's got this weird little wraparound move that he likes to pull a lot. I'm not sure it's going to translate well to the NHL, but he scored a number of goals last year doing it. But this is a guy with a real strong shot. Right. 32 assists to go along with his 19 goals last year in 59 games. Only 10 penalty minutes. So, again, not going to be physical. 
if you're expecting a 6'3 right-handed shot guy who's just going to level people and be like an Adam McQuaid type, it's not him, right? No. He's he's closer to a power forward, I mean, a power forward winger playing defense, right? Okay. And then that's going to reflect. Third pairing guy, temper expectations, but dude, it's a one-year deal and it's a great chance. Great chance you have to take. Oh, absolutely. 6'3", 187. That's good size. I like that. Uh, I like you said. I was looking at the stats, and as you go down the years, he more and I, he seems to more and more have found his comfort with offense. You know, mm-hmm. in the 2012 to 2000 like 16 area, right before he got to Western, you know, had 10 plus goals three years in a row. Uh, you know, tw- mid 20s to 30s in points. I, he seemed to really figure it out, and then obviously this past year, 19 goals, 32 assists, 51 points. That's that's pretty good. That's that's uh, that's not too terrible. That's decent, uh, I guess. MVP uh, caliber. No, absolutely. Uh, something I feel like we have actually talked about is, and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be, but I could have, you know, when looking at his thing, uh, there's something he does that we've kind of been saying we liked for defense, and that's a right-handed defenseman. Yep. Yeah, a, a quality right-handed defenseman. quality defense. right-handed defenseman. So, Jay, does that, like the, the right-handed shot, the, the skill set, is that something you're excited for with this, or did you kind of wish we would have went and got one of those guys who knows where the blue line is, doesn't leave it, stays there, keeps everybody in check? No, I'm dude, I'm, I'm thrilled, and this is not hot takey at all. Yeah, but this is this is how I chalk this up. Steve Eiserman did what Ken Holland could not. Okay, Ken Holland thought he was getting Mike Green circa the Caps when the Caps had that right-handed defenseman getting points, and he was an offensive defenseman. Yep. Yeah. That's what that's what Eisenman just got because Mike Green is not cutting it, and when you automatically put him in this lineup, Eisenman did what what Holland could not do. We we fixed our right-handed defenseman issue, and we put some offensive skill. Hopefully, if it translates well, into our lineup. So I, it, it's an A plus, and Eisenman's already off to a great a great start. And I'm not trying to be hot takey, but he he did what Holland failed at doing, which was fixing that right-handed defenseman who is also an offensive. Okay. Um, I haven't looked at I, I From what I understand, it's a one-year deal, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, that being said, one-year deal, young guy, a lot of talent. Uh, I heard you say third pairing, Russ. Should we expect this guy to spend a lot of time in a winged wheel jersey this year? I would think so, being that he was pretty highly coveted. There was, there was at least three other teams that have been reported to be in on him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he signed a one-year deal to go playing Grand Rapids, playing right, Grand when, Rapids. He, when he has other options. So, yeah, I, I would expect him to start on the third pair, hopefully second power play, probably not play 82, but, you know, do similar to what they did with Cholowski last year where he gets about 50 games. Okay. Uh, and then secondly, expectations for him to climb higher than that third pairing, or is that a comfortable spot for us to expect him year across? So that, that's a – this year, I wouldn't expect anything more than that. The future, absolutely. Well, I, yeah, obviously, absolutely, as he gets more experience. I understand that, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, the only thing that would push him up higher this year, I would think, is injury or ineptitude. So, yeah, he'll be on the first pairing real soon. Oh, that's that's very – all right. So we should expect this guy to actually get the C a couple of days from now when, oh. he, when he finally comes in. Okay, I gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jay, you kind of, I, I should have taken the segue when I had it, but I had to ask those questions, but I'm going to take the segue now. Uh, you said that Stevie did what Ken Holland couldn't do. Well, Ken Holland did something. He signed a head coach, but I have to, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There are most head coaches in the NHL. I know who they are. I have no idea who Dave Tippett is, to be done honest. Uh, I can I'm, help you. With well, that. I'm looking at his page. He, he's coached for a while. He played in the NHL for nine years. Uh, giving me a little bit of a sum up. Who is Dave Tippett? Uh, first of all, Kenny did good here. I, I, I liked the hiring for Edmonton. Um, Tippett's a Canadian boy. Uh, and when he played and coached, he's never actually even done that for a Canadian team. So this will be the first time of him going back to his country, uh, you know, to, to coach for his country. Yep. Um, he had to deal with the Coyotes. And this is back when, like, the Coyotes were maybe, maybe not a team that the NHL needed to maybe buy and help out. They went from, I think, Glenn. They went from Phoenix to Glendale, or vice versa. One of the two. Mm-hmm. They were a hot fucking mess. Mm-hmm. And you bring you bring in Tippett. He got them to the postseason for the first time since like 2001. Well, in his it, first it, year coaching. And it says here in in 2010, which would have been his 
technically first or second. You know, he, he hired in in the 24th of September 2009, and 2010 year he won the Jack Adams Award. So what's that tell you yep, about a yep. team that's not very good and he can do that? So. Yes, yeah, so I, I think, but and okay, so take that storyline. You're talking about the Canadian Phoenix Coyotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Edmonton Oilers have all this talent, <laughs> and they can't do shit with it. So the fact that he came in, you know, the last hire that Holland had was Blashill. That hasn't gone over either well or not well based upon our roster and what he's done with it. But he, he decided to go the route of a veteran coach who has seen some dark days in his past. Um, bringing him home to Canada to finally coach for, you know, a Canadian team when he didn't play for one. So I, I, you've got a lot of little mini good narratives that should muster up to something good. And I, I approve of it. And I think Tippett's going to be excellent uh, for Edmonton. Okay. Uh, they are actually in Glendale now. They were Phoenix earlier. They're in Glendale now. So there we go. That gets you all cut up. Uh, Russ, do you share, do you share a similar opinion on this? Uh, and what, what ideally, what should be the, uh, trying to think of the word I want to use here. Uh, how much time should we be looking for before we see some kind of uh, production from this from this coach and this team? All right. Well, I'll start off by saying I'm even more excited about it than Jay is. Okay. I'm, I'm a little biased on this one because, Abe, that Seattle Hockey Analytics Conference that I went to and we posted videos on, yeah. Dave Tippett was there. Oh, okay. A- attending. Oh, shit. Right. It wasn't wasn't a speaker. He went there because this is the guy that routinely is looking for new ideas and and new ways to attack the game. He likes to play fast. He likes to play aggressive. And and this is a guy further back in his tenure. He was real vague about who he was talking about, but he basically talked about two defensemen. One that's a slighter, better offense, uh, but lacking on defense. And the other is more your standard toe-the-line blue liner. He goes, hey, that guy might be better at defending, but if he's defending 75% of the time, he's going to get kabonged at some point, and he's going to lose. Right? So, and at the time, that's kind of controversial, but we're seeing it a lot now with these offensive defensemen constantly going up, and you don't have to defend if you have the puck and you're moving forward. Mm-hmm. So th- this is a guy that was ahead of the curve there, and he's constantly looking at it, and he's going out of his way to go find that. So I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> it's it's a bit of a retread in that he had success, right? Took the Coyotes to their first and only division title. Right? The only time they've come in first in their division, only time they moved past the first round was with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also he's looking and implementing new ideas. Kenny gets an A-plus right away. Um, if anything is going to get him to that first-year success that he thinks is going to happen, this is going to be it. And it definitely moves up the timeline for when I think the Oilers can compete. Okay. Um Either of you can take this. Uh, it's just a, as you were explaining this, it was a question that popped into my head. Does the hiring of this guy, someone who has experience helping to kind of turn around a team for a brief moment that was not, you know, very good. He's been in the NHL for close to 35, 36 years now. He's, he has, he's been both playing and coaching. He's been around the league for a good majority of time now. Does a guy like this who knows players, always looking to innovate, up for new ideas, is that also kind of a good hire to keep Connor McDavid interested knowing we're trying to turn this around we're doing what we can we're starting up front and we're going to work our way down oh hell yeah I think he's done I think McDavid's done with the Ken Hitchcocks of the world yeah they want he wants someone that's going to let him play fast and creative okay so that that's also a good you know that's probably another thing Ken Holland had to have been thinking when he made this hire in your opinion uh, absolutely I think it was top of the mind that okay. what what is a coach that I can hire that makes Connor McDavid the best he can be and that's Dave Tippett. Okay. Uh, Jay, this is your last chance to say something positive before my favorite segment. <laughs> so you got a uh, any upbeat thoughts on maybe that's why Ken Holland went with Tippett? Good chance for Connor yeah. McDavid? Dude, by hook or by crook, they need to win a Stanley Cup with Connor McDavid. It would be one of the biggest disappointments. I know someone's career is not really based off of just a singular or multiple championships, but they have to win with this dude. He's way too ta- – I'll watch his feet – for days if he does not win a stanley cup it's a disappointment and they need to win it so any any innovation or ideas or theories on how to coach that team if it leads to success it is a success so they need to win with mcdavid but i I think it's great that this is all new change and he welcomes that change and they better because they need to change yeah definitely you and Connor mcdavid's feet like i want to have like a three-way with both of them it's uh dude it's pretty scary 
It does bring up a good point, though, Jay, and real quick on this. Can you honestly, though, name a single player that you would consider one of the greatest that hasn't lifted the Stanley Cup? Mm, man. See, that's, that's tough. My, my biggest one for me, just because it's active, is John Tavares. Um, okay. I always loved him with the Islanders, and he's going to go down as one of the greatest, and he had to get out of that situation in order to get Hopefully into a good situation, a, yeah. Yeah, so I, see I don't that. know. McDavid might have to do the same, and he might have to get dealt, and we've got a, an awesome guy who would be dealing that guy away. So. Yeah, this might show my ignorance, and I, I'm pretty sure as I'm thinking about it, he does have one. Pronger has a cup, correct? He won yeah. with Anaheim, didn't he? Yep. Okay, That's that was going to be mine, but then I, as I thought about it, I was going through the teams he played with, and I could have swore he won one with Anaheim. So, okay. Um, all right, so we're moving on to the NBA now, but because I don't want – his hatred and evil to leak into the analysis. Uh, we're going to do things a little differently. We're going to actually go right to... 60 seconds. Salt. 60 seconds of salt with Justin Marcus. Jay, we haven't done this in a while, and clearly this has to be pretty big for you to want to bring this back. There's rage in there. So, Jay, I'm going to start a clock somewhere, and here we go. 60 seconds of salt. What is it about this week? So I always start this or when I do it, I start it with a statement, and my statement is Drake is not legally allowed to be a fan anymore. Just straight up. He, I, I've seen him in Raptors jerseys, Kentucky Wildcats, Maple Leafs, Blue Jays, Astros, Miami Heat, Seattle Seahawks, Lakers, Notre Dame, Oilers, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, and an NHL All-Star jersey. Ugh. He's making a mockery of what it means to be a fan. And he's, he's yeah, you can afford a shit ton of jerseys. Congratulations. The average fan cannot. The average fan cannot sit courtside and chew into other people's ears and get mad at them and get flipped off and have security guards interrupt them or pretend like you just came off the bench and put up 30 points. He's a joke. I, 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 can, I can live in a life that doesn't have him anymore acting like he's a part of the team. Yeah, he's from Toronto. And yeah, he's got views from the six. Well, I want him to go up that damn tower, the Space Needle Tower in Toronto, and just go sit there and watch the rest of the games from up there. I don't, we don't need Drake. Sports is supposed to be escaping from shit. I need to escape from Drake. I need I need a a, a time away from Drake movement because I, I can't I can't deal with him anymore. He acts like he's part of the team. He acts like he's a part of the system, but he's pretending to be a super fan when he's not. He has all the luxuries in the world. He can go find something to do with his time and money because I'm I'm pretty much spent on both of those things with Drake. So that's that's my sixty on him. That was a minute twenty three. We'll allow it. We will allow it. Uh, but Jay, I. To be fair, I, I'm right there with you. He, he's annoying as hell. This little superstition of I'm going to go buy the other team's apparel just to get to him and all that. It's very obnoxious. But I do have to ask. Toronto is not a team that has had a lot of success in the NBA, you know, over however long. Probably since their, you know, creation. But, mm-hmm. and, and he's a fan. He's from Toronto. He supports Toronto. I will, I, he'll admit to that. But can you honestly say, though, like if the Lions went on a, a run through the playoffs and got to the Super Bowl. Can you honestly say you wouldn't be first in line to be on the sideline for every game, flipping out as they did it? I, I would, but I wouldn't make myself bigger than the team. Like, if that happens, Big Sean will come to Detroit, and he will embrace the city and the town and the spirit. Drake is making it bigger than the team. He's trying to act like he played for the team. Nick Lidstrom has a street named after him because he was bigger than the team he was a better than a sum of its parts drake is acting like he owns the team he has the money to buy it but he he he's acting like he's bigger than what is actually happening for the fans this is again that's the thing this is all about the fans he's acting like he's bigger than it all and if it happened in detroit the artists that like eminem and big sean they would not try to act bigger than the Lions. and that's but that's what drake's doing he's acting bigger than toronto raptors uh really we're talking about detroit success and the first name you think of for entertainer is big sean Big Sean loves Detroit. Of course, he, dude. He, I guarantee you, and that—I ha- don't know if it's going to happen. I can't guarantee you that. But Big Sean and Eminem, they would be here. That's right. Eminem and Kid Rock, I would think, would be the first two. I mean, Kid Rock sings the "That's How We Do It in Detroit" for the Lions. Like, you would think that would be the first uh, connection there. But Big Sean, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Kind of like connecting Madonna to Detroit, but that, that works. Stop it. Well, but my, my, I, point I, is, my point is still valid. Though, I know. Right? You, you your gotta, point you is very valid. I, I admit your point is very valid. He has made himself bigger than... When your fans are showing up on ESPN more than your highlights are, you know you have a problem. 
you know, and that, it's a topic I put down for best of the top, you know, top celebrity fans that when you think of them, you think of the sports team. Because, I mean, I think a lot of people can't think of Jack Nicholson without thinking of the Lakers because he's courtside every game. He's, you know, he gets in refs' faces and all that. It's, I, I agree. You can't be become bigger than the team. I will admit that. I agree with you on that. So only only Mark Cuban can act like Mark Cuban. Like you can't be Drake and act like you're Mark Cuban. Yeah, even Mark it's Cuban's a bit. Cuban. Even Mark Cuban's a bit much sometimes. But uh, you know, I, I, I understand it. But yes, it is becoming a bit much. It is becoming a bit much. So uh, and now that we're that's sixty seconds of salt. We let you vent. You feeling better? A little bit. I just I want to go get rid of all the Drake albums on Spotify now. You should take a chance at that. Go for it. See what you can do. Make a dent. <laughs> Um, it's going to be real quick for NBA today because we don't actually have anything to analyze. They don't start till tonight. So, uh, as we come into the finals, about to start, they're in Toronto. First game, Toronto has a home court for this one. Russ, what are you looking for in this game? What does one team need to do to set the pace for being the dominant team in this finals? Well, I, I think it 100% comes down to Toronto's defensive scheme. Right, Durant's going to be out game one. Boogie Cousins going to be out game one. Don't know if he's going to even make it back at all. So right now we've got the world's best defender in Kawhi Leonard, which let, let me just say I underestimated how important defense was still in the NBA because holy shit, what he did to, De- to Giannis last round. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be that. It's who does he guard? Who does he shut down? Can they switch enough? Because we really got three guys on the Warriors to worry about. And if they can switch and take away two, they actually got a shot at this before Durant comes back. So they got to strike. They got to strike early, and they got to make their mark before Durant comes back. Then it's it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, uh, I, they don't play defense in the NBA. That doesn't exist. That's not <laughs> just right. Kawhi. He's um, the only one. It's true, and I mean there are those guys though that they base their game on defense because they know that. that I mean, but Kawhi can score too. That's the difference. Yep. But a lot of guys that base their game on defense is because they know their offense really isn't there. So they need to do something to contribute. I, I'll get you with that one. Um, I actually did hear, I, I it might be our, our hated rival Stephen A. Smith say this, but oh. someone did say, and I saw this on Instagram, that Kawhi Leonard is the closest in game and how he plays to Jordan they have seen since Jordan. And I almost oh. think, I would almost think to kind of, it, it's a tall comparison, it really uh-huh. is, but Jordan won Defensive Player of the Year. A lot of people don't yep. know that Jordan was a defensive player of the year and he's widely considered one of the greatest players of all time because of his offense. So it's a fair comparison. It's, it's a stretch, but it's a fair comparison. Um, well, and to add on that though, a lot of it's that mid range shot too. Yes, yes. That, that long two that, yeah, both of them like to take a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Kawhi's not afraid to go to the basket. That's something that Jordan was very, obviously very good with. Uh, cutter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jay, for you, you know, you say you watch the finals. So what, what, same as to Russ. What is it to you? What what does one team need to do to jump out as the favorite in this series? Oh, I mean, I don't. To be honest, like I haven't uh, deep like deep dived into most of it. Yeah. I'm just I'm not a big NBA fan. But seriously, I just know that KD is not playing tonight. So does he come back? I mean, I guess that's what everyone's really looking forward to. Um, but you know, if 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 Kawhi is going to play defense, which that just pisses me off, that like, hey, let's just play defense when it actually matters. Like, no, show me a full product every night, whatever. Um, but if if he actually shows up to play, um, I think that might be a game changer from what I'm understanding in this series. But I am tuning in. I mean, this is the time. These are the superstars. These are the teams that are destined, like Golden State always is. So I'll I'll be watching, and hopefully, I have a a better answer for you next time. To be honest. But I, you kind of did give a good answer there. You just, I, I think that the, to put the title on it, yours is for Kawhi to seize the opportunity. You you have a chance yeah. to jump out here. The best player on Golden State is not playing for Golden State tonight. So jump out, seize that opportunity. You're at home in your own barn. Claim game one. Get comfortable. And if KD comes back for game two, little less pressure because you've already got one at home. You're a heck of a team, a heck of a defensive team. I, I see that. That's a good one. Uh, mine is the one I've, I've given for every time we've talking about Golden State. It's it sees the opportunity, but it's it's for Steph. KD's not playing. They everyone knows where the ball's going. It's going to you. They're gonna go to Clay. They're gonna go to Draymond. They're gonna go to Andre Iguodala. But you're the guy now. Thirty points needs to be your bench. 
So you have to get out to a, a good start. You cannot start the first half one for six from the three-point line and expect to have the same you know success you've had throughout the rest of the playoffs. You're now officially going against the, the best, the other best team in the league. They made it to the finals just like you did. You need to get out to a good start. Is it fun to see him put up 30 points in a quarter in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it's fun. You get to see a highlight show, but he can't rely on that, especially because Kawhi is probably going to be in his face quite a bit tonight. So you need to get out to a good start. Smart shots early on. We don't need to see you, you know, win the tip off, dribble it just past half court and heave one. Play smart, play efficient, get the lead, because if you do the math between Clay and between Steph and Iguodala coming off the bench and Draymond when he gets the putbacks, I don't see enough offense on Toronto's side to be able to stick with you if you play fundamental good basketball, get out to the go, and then get the win in Toronto. Because then KD comes back, you could maybe take take two in Toronto. If not, you split in Toronto and you get to come home for two games. And you're very much proven to be a very hard team in the playoffs to beat when you're in Oracle. So to me, it's got to get off to a smart start for Steph. If he doesn't, this could be a really, really rough, rough series for them, especially if KD takes more than one or two games to come back. So That's a good take. Push it on the supposed MVP. Absolutely. I mean, you – He's proven what he can do. The guy's got rings. He's proven that he can be good. But now you you have to go back to the before KD was there. You won a title without KD. You need to show why you were the guy first, and KD had to come to you. And he, it to me, Steph has just not gotten off to great starts in games. He's he sputtered a little bit, and then he finds it. And I just don't think with one of the best defenders in the league and a team that is they're hungry. They want a title in Toronto. That's they're not known for basketball in Toronto, and they really have been a kind of a up in the air thing ever since Vince Carter left. So it's kind of or Jay's boy Chris Bosh. They haven't really had anything, so they're hungry for it. You cannot let them get momentum because if they get momentum, it's a very hard team to stop. It's a very hard team to stop. And a lot of people forget Kawhi has been on title winning teams. He's played for the Spurs, so he knows what it takes to get to finals and to win. A championship. Granted, he was playing with some of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball, but he, he's not unfamiliar to this stage. He's just in a different uniform, and he's out front now. So we'll see what happens with it. Uh, all right, so final topic. We said this was going to be a quick one. Uh, I, I told Jay before the show, I think this one's going to be very quick because doing the math here, there's not very many players that we can be that different on here. But uh, we are going to do the Mount Rushmore of Detroit players that are currently playing in Detroit, the top four. And I didn't make this a rule because I thought it may limit us. They don't have to be one from each team. So if you got three three Lions or two Red Wings, totally fine. Totally, totally fine. Uh, Jay, I'll let you go first here, and then after we all get ours in, we're going to try to come up with a consensus final four. So, Jay, who's your Mount Rushmore? All right, so I um... – I did one from each team. Tried to be spread it out yeah, even. It's totally fine. I followed the rules, which is a problem of mine. Um, what? I did. And I'm not trying to be cheeky this time. So, Glenn Denning, I'm sorry, bro. We'll, <laughs> we'll, have, to have, we'll have to break some bread and, and solve this. But you're not on this list, buddy. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, I wish I actually knew him. Okay, so the Pistons. <laughs> okay. Easy. Slam dunk. Pun intended. Blake Griffin. Okay. I mean, I, I can't put Drummond in there. To I mean, you could put a gun to my head. I'll still say no. Um, so I'm, I'm going Blake Griffin for the Pistons. The Red Wings. Um, just as Pat Maroon is probably a good focal point for the St. Louis Blues, even with Tarasenko and Bennington aside, um, I like gritty-ass players who will shine in moments that is most needed and who have a good narrative. So Tyler Bertuzzi is my guy for the Red Wings. Um, currently where there's they stand, Larkin is important. He doesn't have the C yet. I think he's got more to his game. We know what we're going to get out of Bertuzzi. And if he's sticking around, um, we're going to get a lot of grit. So he's on my Mount Rushmore. Detroit Lions. Easy. Carry on Johnson. Hmm, okay. I hope it is Galladay one day. I don't think it will ever be Stafford based upon a lot of the criticism and failures he's had over time. But as of right now, carry on's my boy. I, I, we need carry-on to work based upon how we drafted blocking tight ends and everything else that we're doing and the other pieces behind him. Carry-on needs to be on that mountaintop, so I'm picking him preemptively. Okay. The last one, 
Tigers. Nico Goodrum is going up there for me because, God, you need some good rum in order to watch that baseball team right now. <laughs> so, he, he that can is go a fantastic pun. That is very well done. Very he well done. He gets to go up there because, God, you need a drink for that shit. Okay. That's fair. That is fair. Uh Russ, I'll let you go here now. Uh, Jay, I like those. I mean, those are those are a little out of the box. A lot of people would have expected it to just be the top four guys, in you know, for each team. So that's you know that's out of the box, and it's hard to kind of defend or to argue any of them. I mean, we we've made great cases for Bertuzzi. Uh, we're we're all very big on Carry On. Uh, it's I mean, it is tough. There there's no real way to argue out of those. Those are all. Justifiable picks. I will ask this, and Russ, I, I don't want to, if this spoils yours, I do apologize. Did anybody take number nine for Detroit, for the Lions? Did anybody go with Stafford? Someone may have. Someone may have. Okay. Russ, tell us. Well, I guess we'll start there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did take Stafford, and that's more for what he means as a franchise um, rather than what he is for a player. Is, is he a top five player at his position at any point no uh but he's he the best quarterback that's been in detroit since bobby lane emphatically so yeah right one of three players to hit five thousand yards passing at age 23 or younger right it's marino and mahomes are the only two to do it as young as he did it yeah he, is he getting is he getting up to an age yeah sure five thousand yards that was eight years ago and he hasn't done it since so mm-hmm. if we're talking about today's you know mount motown uh, maybe, maybe not, but until the quarterback isn't the most popular guy at prom, I'm not taking him off my list, right? He is as Detroit sports goes. If he has a good day, everybody knows about it. Yep. Um, I, wa- I was not comfortable having him be my only lion, though. I wanted to do one from each, um, but to be honest with you, I couldn't bring myself to bring someone from the Tigers. I apparently didn't have enough good rum in the house to be able to do that. <laughs> Um, my other one is Slay because for all the reasons that I said Stafford you know, isn't for a player, I think Slay is. I think he's top five at his position in the league. He's going to actually give this defense a little bit more of an identity, and, and he's a guy that was drafted there, right? and he's grown up there, um, and he's starting to make his presence felt in the community quite a bit. right? This is a guy that's probably at the top for passive defendants uh, and interceptions the last two years. So he's a top-end guy that I think is, is going to be well-recognized and well-regarded around the nation. Um, Tigers, I couldn't do it. If this is today, Cavi is not someone you want to be looking at. You know, alcohol and domestic issues aside, um, yeah, he's going to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer, but I just can't I can't put him up there today based on what he is today. Pistons, Blake Griffin, that was easy. Right, third-team All-NBA this year. Uh, first time the Pistons have had one of those since 2015-16 when Drummond was on there because there was no other centers in the league at all. Um, so pretty much the de facto only elite player that they've had recently. And then for the Wings, I don't know how the hell Justin got Bertuzzi when Larkin's sitting there. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, it was Larkin for me. Easy, best player on the team right now. Going to be for some time. He's going to get that C soon. He's homegrown. He's a Michigan man. Maybe that's why Jay left them all. Maybe it's a Michigan thing. It's very possible. It's very yeah, possible. but no, I, it was Larkin for me. So Stafford, Slay, Griffin, Larkin. Okay, very nice. Um, I actually, I have no Tigers on mine. Uh, Cabby was my my choice, but uh, in thinking about it last night, Cabrera to me is in my head the Cabrera from five six years ago. He's not yep. the Cabrera Cabrera for today. So I, I will mm-hmm. go with that. Yes, absolutely, I agree. Um, I do hate Russ though because Russ being Russ, he has to take my little surprise sneak in pick. <laughs> um, I didn't take number nine. I, I actually I took number twenty three. I took Der, uh, Slay. I went with Slay. Uh, okay. Made a couple Pro Bowls. I agree with you. He is top five at his position. He is a guy that. They need to understand this guy has to get a blank check. He has to be here. As long as he can play at the level he's playing, he has to be here. Losing him sets back any product or any progress you've made. Uh, this defense on paper is starting to look like it should be pretty damn good. That's not going to work well if you're, you know, same as baseball. It's not going to go well if one of your outfielders isn't playing in the game. If you have an open area, a lot of teams are going to hit to there. So if you don't have a, a top corner guarding their number one receiver, a lot of quarterbacks are going to go, oh, well, I'm throwing right there pretty easily. So Slay's my guy. Uh, 
Hard not to pick Stafford. I mean, you you made all the points for us. He is the best quarterback the Lions have had since Bobby Lane, if not the best quarterback the Lions have ever had. That says a lot about the Lions, I think. But he, we want to think that if he's given opportunities and given the right offense, the right players, he should be able to do it. Carrion, I love that pick, Jay, but I think it's just a little too early for Carrion. I like him a lot, but I need to see a, a couple of years of him doing what I think he can do, and then I think he takes it no problem. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm right there with Russ. I don't know how the hell you're not looking at number 71, Dylan Larkin. He's he's the clear-cut choice. Bertuzzi's a great pick. Bertuzzi really is a great pick. But in the way I've compared him, can you really say you're going to put Darren McCarty on the 90s when you had Steve Eiserman? You know, it, like they're they're it's just not the same. There's different levels. Bert's a great player, but Larkin's the he's the top right now. We go where Larkin goes. If Larkin has a big year and is successful, other guys are gonna you know feed off of that. So I, I'm with Larkin on that one. And then for me, I I went I I saw no reason to leave Andre Drummond off. You can take them both. They're both there. Uh, so I went with the two big guys, Blake Griffin. It's an easy choice. It felt weird at first because he hasn't been here for very long, but in the time he's been here, he's made an impact. He's clearly the best player on that team. Uh, but Drummond can feed off of that. Drummond doesn't have to be by himself down low anymore. He's got some help. He's got someone that's getting the attention put on them. So he's able to kind of do his own thing. He's able to focus on not having to be the super scorer that we needed him to be a couple of years ago because Blake's doing that for us. You know, Other guys are starting to step up into those roles. And Drummond can be that put-back guy. He can be that guy who gets, you know, what was it, like 25 rebounds, I think, one game he had. He can be that guy who pulls down boards and focuses on his. So, for me, it was Slay, Larkin, Griffin, and Drummond. I thought that was clear-cut. I would love to have a Tiger on there. I really would, but uh, Mize isn't up here yet. So, until he gets (laughs) up here, I don't have anybody to pick. Uh, All all great choices, but now the question is, can we really narrow it down to four? Let's be quick and simple here. Can anybody take Blake Griffin off of their – can anybody say Blake Griffin isn't one of the four? He's got to be a lock. Okay, there's a lock. Uh, the only one I think we might argue on just because two of the three had him. Jay, can you can you admit that Larkin should be there instead of uh, Bertuzzi? So I'll probably have – we'll have to agree to disagree, but the reason being very quickly is just because I expect so much out of him I don't want him to be comfortable. I never want him to be comfortable. That's I want fair. him to always feel like he's under the gun, that he has never uh, arrived yet until he gets the C and he gets a cup over his head. So, yeah, maybe carry on and preemptively doing it. And Larkin, I'm sandbagging because I don't want him to earn it until he earns it. But um, you, you can go with Larkin now. I just That man is great, and I want him to continue to be uncomfortably great so he can keep achieving shit for the club. Okay. Well, Jay's just... going to be the parent that breaks in at 3 o'clock in the morning, just scares his kid. Always be aware. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. No, that's that. Now you know where my brain's at these days. U- unagi. You want to have unagi? A very good yeah. sense of awareness. Uh, so Larkin, if you're listening, don't get comfortable. Keep going. Keep trying. So we got two. We got Blake. We got Dylan. Uh, I'll petition Slay. I'll put Slay up there as the guy that should be the third on the wall. Uh, I'm good with him. Good. Jay, can you can you comfortably sit with Slay on the wall? As long as long as Goodrum makes it, yes. <laughs> that might be a tough sell, buddy. But, you know Someone, um, someone's got to be up there drinking for them. You know what? I'm I'm willing to make that concession myself because, damn it, I appreciate puns too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got Slay, we got uh, Blake, we got Dylan. You guys are petitioning for Nico Goodrum to be the fourth on the wall. All right. Uh, it, it some tiger will be up there at least. Yeah, that's true, but it isn't that the true state of the tigers right now that like, hey, it might be better to just make drinking jokes and watch them. Can't we just put pause up there because he's never left <laughs> us? <laughs> oh, I just I, I, I gotta put Goodrum before Stafford. Stafford would be up there when he led that charge with the QB sneak on the one yard line and all that shit. But since then, uh-uh. no, I'd, I'd rather go Goodrum than Stafford. Okay. He hasn't been here long, but I let me. I, I'm going to put this one out here just because if we're talking about sheer talent, why not snacks? Ooh, similar to Griffin. Uh, similar to I mean, he, he literally only played like six games for us, but he's here. He's going to be here for a little bit. He's at least got, I believe, two more years on a deal with us, if not three. Uh, why not snacks? I mean, 
when I get drunk and drink rum, I typically do have a lot of snacks and get hungry. So maybe both of them have to go. We need some good rum and some snacks for a good evening. All right, so... Jay's just making weekend plans already. He's really trying. (laughs) Uh, So I I, I petitioned snacks. Snacks approved. Russ? I'm okay with that. Jay, snacks approved? (sighs) Listen, Nico Goodrum (laughs) is not going to get on this list when you're talking about the best players in Detroit just because his name has that... Listen, if you really want to do that, if you really want to have fun with it, I take Beer Belly Matt Prater. That guy's the best player on the Lions. Now now the wheels are just falling yeah. off here. No. I say <laughs> I say snacks. I say snacks. So we go yeah, uh, we go Slay, Snacks, uh, Larkin, Blake Griffin. Yeah, I, I mean, Snacks is the top five in his position. Uh, that tracks. I mean, we have to see what happens this year, but he could even have a, have a run for his money with Trey Flowers on this team. But yep. for right now, Snacks is that guy. Snacks is that guy. We appear to be building that front seven around. So that's fair. All right. So that's fine. Final four. <laughs> final four are agreed upon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I guess. Uh, look, I'm, I'm so good. I'm so persuasive. It's awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, we said it was going to be a quick one, but we got a lot in there. We really we talked about quite a bit. It was a great show. Uh, both these guys have real jobs, and they've got to scurry along back to them, so I can't blame them for it. Russ, we appreciate you taking the time today, buddy. Oh, yeah, of course. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was quick. It was satisfying, and, and yes, we did fit a lot in there. Man, you are, <laughs> you're testing me today. You really are. Uh, Jay Marcus, appreciate you being on, buddy, driving driving all over the place, doing adult things. Yeah, you're always good to have on, buddy. Hey, it's, I'm always happy to be here. And if I don't reply to my text tonight, it's because I'm chucking my phone in a lake. So I don't want to see Drake tonight. So, okay, just, well, just FYI. that works, I guess. And uh, as always, I'm your host, Eric Dorsch. One small step for us, one giant leap back in Detroit sports broadcasting. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul.